Do you ever think about how much you think about food? <laughs> Are any of you like me when you get up in the morning, you're thinking about what you're going to have for breakfast, and then that right after breakfast, you're thinking about lunch, and then about an hour after lunch, you're thinking about what you're going to have for snack time, and then dinner, and then a bowl of ice cream before you go to bed? Is anyone like that? Am I the only one here who can relate to that? Isn't it, isn't it amazing how much we think about food, how much it governs our lives, our thoughts throughout the day, our patterns throughout the day. So much of our life centers around food. And I love and appreciate good food. And you know, when I was growing up, you know, getting, getting food was hard. I, I mean, listen, you're strolling around on a Friday night. Let me tell you how it used to work for me, all right? And I know some of you can relate to this because it'd be like a Friday night and I'm strolling around in my 1984 Buick Regal. And, you know, I got the bass kicked on listening to um, Michael W. Smith in the back. I mean, I am like super cool. You know what I mean? And, and, and then like, you know, I'm hungry. I need a little fourth meal. And so what did I have to do to get some food back then? I had to scrounge around in between my seats looking for loose chains that had fallen. You know, the chains that's grimy, there's like three pennies stuck together and you need a crowbar to get them apart. Do you remember those days? And I'm trying to string enough chains together to get two tacos, <laughs> two 49 cent tacos. I need like a dollar five and I got like 95 cents and I need another dime and I've got it somewhere in the car. I just don't know where it is. Do you remember those days? Now, listen, now if you're like young enough to not know what I'm talking about, you just need to understand how blessed you are because now you can get whatever food you want without ever leaving your lazy boy. We live in the greatest generation. I'm telling you, you can order anything and everything. I mean, you can get any kind of restaurant. You can have it door to your house. You can get fast food now delivered to your house. You don't ever have to go to the grocery store. Have y'all heard of Instacart? People shop for you and bring it to your house. Literally, I don't have any reason to leave my house anymore when it comes to food. We live in an amazing generation, which is what makes a headline I saw this week, one of my favorite all time Headlines, absolute true story of what happened in Texas. I don't know if y'all saw this. A little boy, two-year-old boy, got a hold of his mom's phone. Mom thought he's just like, you know, just playing with the phone, right? Here's what this kid did. He opened the Uber Eats app on his mom's phone, ordered 31 cheeseburgers from McDonald's, had them delivered. She didn't know about it. I, I, let me show you a picture if you didn't see this story. <laughs> Here's this kid and his mom, all right? She gets the phone, realizes what he's done. It's too late. Okay, here's what the kid did. This is absolute truth. The kid spent $65 on McDonald's cheeseburgers. And then, because he's the most gracious toddler I know, 
added a 25% tip. <laughs> this poor mom spent $91.75 at McDonald's that day, delivered to her house. She got such a kick out of it, she went to like her, this online community page with you know, everybody in her neighborhood and said, hey, Everybody come on over free cheeseburgers. And some people did because some of these people are like me. <laughs> free cheeseburgers. Are you hungry? It doesn't matter. I love this kid. <laughs> it's an amazing thing, really, if you think about how much we think about food. And of course, the reason is Food is essential to life. And if you break it down even further, you come to understand that the things that we deem essential to life, we think about a lot, right? Whatever you deem as most important to you, you devote a lot of time, a lot of energy and a lot of thought toward. That just makes sense. Food's one of those things. You need food to live. You need to drink to live, right? There are certain things you need to live and, and you think about those things. You make sure you have those things. There are things in life that you deem essential, important, things that, that for you are fulfilling or enjoyable or uh, vastly important. And those are things that you think a lot about. So, so you think about the things, I think about the things that are essential, that are important, that are urgent, that are immediate and, and food's always one of those things, which is the reason when Jesus sat down in what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Like one of the most critical points of his early ministry when he's, he's kind of laying the groundwork for, for what his ministry is gonna be like. And he's, he's walking through just a number of very practical issues in life and, and he's teaching in a profound way as Jesus always did. It's, listen, it's one of the reasons early in his message to all of the people there that day. And again, what we know is the Sermon on the Mount is this section where Jesus mentions food <laughs> and he mentions it in the context of a voice that we often wrestle with on this side of heaven, it's the voice of worry. Now I know you were thinking, okay, we're coming last message in this series on voices. We've tackled some weighty subjects. I'm hoping today we get a nice easy subject. We've talked about comparison, opinion, disappointment. We've talked about the past, these voices that surface in our lives that, that can distract us, discourage us, frustrate us, overwhelm us. We've talked about some voices, both externally and internally that we wrestle with. And today, as we wrap up this series, we're gonna talk about the voice of worry, a voice that surfaces internally in us that often draws us away from where we need to be. And I thought about maybe just taking a little survey, a little show of hands on how many of us have a worry problem, but I just knew y'all would lie. So I thought uh, I better not do that. But I, I am struck when you go to the ministry of Jesus to find like right here in the Sermon on the Mount, right here like in this section where, where Jesus is covering some of the most important topics in his teaching ministry, he, he, he addresses this voice of worry that rises up in us. And, and in this teaching, guess what? One of the things he talks about is food. He's, he, he talks about these essential items in life that, that are important to us, some of them essential to us, all of them valued by us that we devote so much time and thought toward. But 
can also overwhelm us. And of course, it's, it's not just things like food or drink or clothing. There are, there are other matters that surface, that cause us to worry, that cause us to be overwhelmed. These voices that surface, these voices that, that, that call out to us when we're trying to go to sleep at night, those voices that maybe wake us up in the middle of the night, those voices that cause us distress early in the morning, those voices that distract us throughout the day, something of significance or importance to us that is cause for deep worry and concern, maybe even anxiety, and, and, and it draws us away from faith, trust, and ultimately fulfillment. And so Jesus talks about this and, and he talks about it in relation to all of these things like food that are important things that at times we turn into ultimate things. And, and this will be familiar to many of you, but, it, but, it, but if it's new to you, let me just kind of take you back to this, this incredible message of Jesus. We find it in Matthew 6. Let me, let me show you what he says here. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're gonna eat or, or what you're gonna drink or about your body and what you're gonna wear. Isn't life more than food and body more than clothing? Well, in a sense, is it? <laughs> I mean, do any of us wanna live in a world without food? Do any of us wanna live in a world without clothing? I mean, just look around the room. But Jesus is making a point here, right? So, he, so he's, he goes on to say this. He says, so consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? And can any of you add one moment to your lifespan by worrying? And so why do you worry about clothes, right? Why do you worry about clothes? Just observe the flowers of the field and how they grow and they don't labor or spin or thread, and even the great King Solomon was not adorned in all of his splendor like these. And so, and so Jesus addresses one of the voices, I think one of the most pressing voices that we wrestle with in life, the voices of worry that so often beset us, frustrate us, discourage us, and overwhelm us. And, and he talks about food, talks about clothing, talks about life in general. And, and his message to us, of course, is to not worry and to, and to trust the Lord. And, and so as we're talking about this voice today, I'm going to give you several practical things about worry that I hope will, will encourage you and help you to navigate this, this voice, okay? And, 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 and I want you to understand this is huge, that there is a lot of misunderstanding about what worry is. You see, in the original language, okay, in the original language, the, the word for worry here that Jesus uses is literally the word for care or concern. There's not a separate word for worry. Now we have a separate word in English, worry from care or concern, and we know the difference and we use them differently, don't we? But, but in the original language, you have to understand this. This is absolutely massive, okay? The, the word that Jesus uses is actually a verb here. He says, do not worry. This verb is used 17 times in the New Testament. It's used both negatively of worry and positively of care or concern. 
And so as we're thinking about what worry is, sometimes people have this misunderstanding like, well, I can't, I can't be overly concerned or I can't be overly caring. And some of you are doing a really, really good job at not being overly caring or concerned. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, but there, there's this notion that like, okay, I'm not gonna worry, so I'm not gonna care. I'm not gonna worry, so I'm not gonna be overly concerned. Well, no, no, Jesus isn't saying don't be a person who cares or a person who is concerned. You don't have to try to navigate a false dichotomy of, okay, if I'm not gonna worry, it means that I can't fully love my children or be concerned about their welfare, or I can't fully apply myself at my job to make sure I'm you know, providing for my family, right? I'm not gonna prepare for retirement or something like this. No, 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 Jesus' point is that you should not be a person who is concerned or a person who cares. As with any word, in any sentence, in any language, context governs usage. We know what the meaning of the word is, not only based on the word itself, but how it's used. And so in this particular case in Matthew 6, of course, Jesus is using care or concern in a negative sense. There are others where it's positive. Well, let me give you one example of a positive, okay? This is the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's talking about the church here, right? And he's saying the goal in the church is that there's no division in the body, but that, check this out, members would have the same, right here, concern for each other. Same verb, same word Jesus uses in Matthew 6. That's translated worry. And so let me just kind of start out. If you're struggling with worry, which all of us do at times, and, and sometimes we struggle with what it really means. It's like, okay, it means I shouldn't care. I should care less or not be as concerned. No, 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 no. God made you to care. God made you to love. God made you uh, to, to, to have emotion, have emotional investment, right? To, 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 to have care and concern. Jesus isn't saying don't care. He's saying, don't worry. Here's what this literally means, okay? He's saying, don't care inappropriately. Don't be concerned about your life inappropriately. Well, how would I be inappropriately concerned about my life? Oh, if you put yourself in the place of God. If you thought that everything in your life depends upon you. If you thought that you making it through this day ultimately depended upon factors of your own making, then you would care inappropriately. You would be concerned inappropriately because you would assume a sovereign position that you don't have. <laughs> Jesus isn't talking about being uncaring. He isn't talking about being shallow. He isn't talking about lacking concern. He's not saying, don't love your kids. Don't be concerned about your kids. Don't be concerned about your job. Don't be concerned about your financial future. Don't be concerned about your health. He's not saying these, don't be caring. Don't be concerning, right? He's saying, don't be overly concerned or inappropriately concerned as if you are the one who's in ultimate control of your life. And let me say it this way. Concern turns into worry when we no longer govern it, but it governs us. That's when the concern becomes inappropriate concern. 
All right, let me give you kind of the first big practical takeaway, having given you that context, all right? Worry becomes reality when your concern controls you. Say, okay, how do I know when my concern or my care has flipped to be inappropriate care or concern? Well, very simply put, when it controls you, when it governs you, when it keeps you from faith, when it keeps you from obedience, when it keeps you from trusting in the Lord, when it keeps you from diligence, when it keeps you from joy, when it robs you of peace. Okay, this is the type of care or concern that Jesus is speaking against in the Sermon on the Mount. He is saying you should not have a type of care or concern that is inappropriate, that, that controls or governs you. That's a huge, huge help. And remember, in this context, Jesus is talking about serving one of two masters. Do you remember this? If you notice there at the beginning of this section of the Sermon on the Mount, there's a therefore. Let let me take you back to the verse before it and to what Jesus was tying into, okay? We often miss this in our conversation on worry. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, since either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, don't worry about your life. Therefore, don't don't put yourself in the place of God with inappropriate care or inappropriate concern thinking that your financial situation, your provision, that's gonna lead to what you need in life like food, clothing, shelter. Don't think that all of this is dependent upon you so that you deviate from trusting, serving, following God and, and, and instead, Pursue, follow, run after, trust in your own ability to make a living. And you think, you know what? If I'm going to be worry-free, then I have to take the reins and I have to assume ultimate responsibility for everything that's going to happen. And I have to control every single circumstance in my life, my kids, my job, my, 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 uh, my, my extracurricular. I mean, I got to control everything. And if I don't, then I'll worry. And, and here's what Jesus is saying. You can't serve two masters. You can't do it. You can only serve one. Therefore, therefore, do not care inappropriately. Do not possess concern inappropriately. Well, what kind of concern? What kind of care is that? Well, it's the kind of care or concern that controls you. It's, it's the kind of care and concern that, 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 that serves your own pride, my own pride, by trying to assure ourselves that we are in ultimate control of our present and our future. And so another reason this is helpful is because it, it gives clarity to forms of anxiety that are related to trauma and not life experience in terms of a day-to-day variety. And so I just want to say, if you're struggling with some type of traumatic issue in your past and, and, and there's a certain type of anxiety or trauma that you've gone through and that you're going through and that you're navigating, listen, there are definitely 
avenues to pursue to ensure that you're addressing that appropriately. Jesus isn't saying, well, you just snap your fingers, say a prayer and boom, all that goes away. I just wanna point out to you what Jesus is talking about here is the ongoing perpetual type of worry that's tied to everyday life circumstances that ultimately rest in some type of self-governance where you're pursuing a master that's not the God of this universe and, and you're trying to find your fulfillment in some type of security that comes through your own effort or some type of financial status or some type of, of, of you know, like, perfect situation with your kids or your family or, or your health or, 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 or your future. It's all set. And, and, and you're, just, you're trying to control some uncontrollables as if you're the sovereign God of the universe and you're not. And therefore Jesus, like you're trying to serve two masters, you can't serve two masters. And that leads to a, a type of care and concern that's inappropriate because you're trying to find peace in a path that you're never gonna find because you were never designed to find it on the path of self-fulfillment. So Jesus isn't talking about some type of anxiety born out of trauma. A lot of people mess that up today too. He's talking about worry. He's talking about care, concern that's inappropriately controlling you because you're trying to serve two masters. And, and, and we have to understand that. We also have to understand, listen, Jesus isn't saying don't work. <laughs> Jesus isn't saying again, don't care. Here's what happens though. We worry because we try to separate our work and our worship. We make an unnecessary gap between the two of those things. Well, my work is my work and providing and guiding and steering my life and my kids and my family and my future, my 401k and all this and my work. Well, then my worship's kind of separate from that. Listen, do you realize that God made you to work and worship at the same time? Work is not a result of the fall. God gave work before sin entered the world. When you and I get to the eternal state, we are going to be working and serving. Now, I also hope there is Uber Eats. And I'm also hoping that some of the serving and the working are people bringing cheeseburgers to our mansions in heaven. Okay, I'm hoping. I don't know that, but I'm hoping. But I'm just saying God made us to work and worship. Now, why do we worry? We worry because we put a break between work and worship. And what is the devil's game? The devil's game is this, to take how God has wired your desires for fulfillment, switch up the wiring and get you to use your desires for foolishness. The devil has no raw materials with which to work. He can only take what God has built and try to mess it up. And so what does the devil do? Well, he takes, he takes a God-given desire to work hard and provide and he, he, he messes up the wiring and he produces greed so that we work not, not for the joy of working and serving and glorifying God and providing and giving to others, but, but we, we work as an end to bless ourselves. What is lust? Well, we take a good God-given desire for intimacy in the context of marriage and instead of enjoying it in the context in which God has designed it, we try to abuse it to ultimately fulfill ourselves. The devil has no ability to create anything on his own. All he can do is take your internal wiring and try to mess it up. 
And so why do we worry? Because we have a wiring problem. God made you to work and worship simultaneously, to work hard, to care, to love one another, to love your children, to love your grandchildren, to be a blessing to others, right? He made you to care. He made you to love. He made you to feel. He, he made you to bless others. He made you caring. He made you a person who is concerned. God made you this way. And the devil takes your wiring and he tries to switch it all around and gets you to abuse that in such a way that now you're overly concerned. Now you're overly caring in the sense that now in your work, you're not worshiping and you're thinking that all of your work is somehow what you your life is dependent upon. And so when things don't go according to your plan, you worry. You care inappropriately. Now your concern controls you and it governs you. And you lack fulfillment and you lack joy and you're stressed and you're anxious and you, you struggle with faith and you struggle with worship because the future looks bleak and you're not sure what tomorrow holds. And therefore you're so internally focused with your wiring problem that, that you're missing that there's a God who loves you more than you can imagine. That you have a father who's promised to provide for you in every situation. That you have a savior who's never gonna leave you or forsake you. And, and, and so the devil leads you to take how God has wired you and you mess it all up and therefore now you're, you're not working and worshiping. You're not working and trusting. You're working depending upon your work for your fulfillment and that's a dead end. And so Jesus says, do not care inappropriately. Not don't care, not don't work, not don't provide, not don't love, not don't invest yourself. No, he's just saying, do not think that your life in terms of what you need rests ultimately on your shoulders. And so that brings us to food. I just can't talk enough about food. I just, it's just... That brings us to clothing, right? G Jesus says, don't worry about what you're gonna eat. The Lord's gonna take care of you. And we have to put ourselves back in an agricultural society here, okay? Jesus was in an agricultural society where like harvest season was everything, okay? We don't live in an agricultural society. We don't, we don't ever ask the question, when are we gonna eat? We ask the question, where are we gonna eat? <laughs> and we're so blessed. Isn't it a blessing to live in the culture in which we live? I mean, it's a blessing. I hope you understand it's a blessing that we don't, we don't have to ask like, when are we gonna eat? We can pretty much eat anytime we want. But there are people around the world today that don't have that option. Historically, most people in the world have never had these options, okay? I'm not bemoaning that we have them. I'm saying we ought to be filled with gratitude that we do. And that helps us to put into context Jesus' words that in an agricultural society where there are droughts and famines and, and you could very easily be worried about when you're going to eat, he's saying, don't be overly concerned. Don't be inappropriately 
caring about it because God's gonna provide. Same thing with what you wear, right? He's talking about these things. And, and, and I think if Jesus were speaking today, right, to us in our American society, Jesus would say something like this. Food may not be like the best thing for us in terms of like what we deal with today. Because again, most of us have enough food to last us at least a few years. And, um, and, and so we're good, right? But, but here's what Jesus would say. Don't worry about your 401k. This is a really good week for Jesus to say that, by the way. <laughs> this is a really good week. I did not plan this that way, okay? I did not ask the forces that be to mess up the market for the sake of this sermon. I just want to clarify that. Jesus would say to you and me, because th this is something we think a lot about. He would say, don't worry about your 401k. Oh, Jesus, I, I shouldn't put money back. For, no, 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 I'm not saying don't work. I'm not saying don't save. I'm not saying don't, don't plan appropriately. I'm saying don't care inappropriately. Don't think that your future ultimately rests upon you. He would say, don't worry about your 401k. Don't worry about where your kids are gonna go to college. he would say, don't worry about how many friends you have on social media. He'd say, don't worry about who you're gonna marry. Things that we often think so much about, we worry so much about unhealthy concern, concern that's governing us, care that's controlling us. Jesus would say, your faith is misplaced. You're trying to serve two masters. And, and as exhibit A, Jesus takes us to the birds. <laughs> and I know what some of you are thinking. Seriously, Jesus, like my life has fallen apart. My health has fallen apart. My marriage has fallen apart. I hate my job. My kids are rebelling, right? I got a strong-willed toddler at home. Like literally, Jesus, I have things that I am worried about. I have things that I am stressing about. I have things that, that I am overwhelmed about. And you're telling me to look at the birds? Seriously, that's your encouragement to me? Well, look at the birds. Yeah, look at the birds. You know what? The birds are doing just fine and they don't even have a 401k. The birds are doing just fine and they don't pamper their snowflake children by making them wear a leash anytime they take them to the mall. They, they, listen, they don't, they don't put elbow pads and helmets on their kids every time they get on a tricycle. The birds are doing just fine. Like when I was growing up, you know what? I had elbow pads and I had knee pads. You know what they were called? Scabs, okay? From all the times I'd fallen before. I had them, I'm not against them. <laughs> no, 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 seriously, seriously. Jesus says, yeah, look at the birds. Yeah, look at the birds. Somehow, somehow they, they gather enough to eat. Somehow, God, I mean, God provides for them somehow. You, you, know, you know what's cool about living here in Florida? All the birds that we have here, like it's like Jesus is just hammering this home to us. 
in Florida. Like every time I'm driving around, like, hey, dummy, hey, dummy, hey, dummy, look at all these types of birds. This is a true story. This happened a couple of weeks ago. My family's pulled into our house. Okay, we were coming back one evening from something. Sun was about to set. And, 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 and so we pull into our driveway and a hawk who had nested in a tree just in front of our house, a hawk pulled up a snake out of one of our bushes and flew over our roof line to our neighbor's house. It was like a scene from the Discovery Channel. And not being from Florida, I acted like a total tourist, okay? My whole family did. We lost our minds. I didn't even pull all the way up into the driveway. We parked the car. We run around to our neighbor's house. The hawk is sitting with the snake on my neighbor's roof. And we're like taking pictures. We're t- I mean, I'm like, this is amazing. And then the hawk saw my beautiful wife. And he picked up the snake off the roof line and he dove right toward her. And she shrieks and And he swoops down and back up. And being the wonderful protective husband I am, I just laughed and laughed and laughed. And then it's up in another tree. And so we go around, you should have seen us. I mean, we must have looked like the neighborhood buffoons, all right? Literally, there's a whole party of us coming around. Oh, there it is. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. And this hawk is literally, it's peeling the skin off the snake. No carving knife, not one of those potato peeler things. We're watching it. I'm like, this is amazing. I promise you this happened. The hawk sees my wife, swoops down a second time. It was amazing. My kids are like, get her, you know. <laughs> At this point, my wife says, I'm done, I'm going. And I'm like, honey, you're missing. No, 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 no. She goes in the house. The hawk swoops up to this nest. Now I'd never noticed this because I don't really care about birds, but uh, <laughs> okay. Hey, oh, whoa, all the bird people all of a sudden. Oh, sorry, sorry. Didn't mean to offend you there with your love of birds. Okay, so, no, no, no. But okay, so this was super cool. So this hawk gets up to this nest. There's a little baby hawk. Cheep, cheep, cheep. I don't know. I don't know what noise they make. Uh, I didn't look that up. Sorry about that. Um, and, and this mom hawk, I, I don't know, mama hawk, I don't know. And had peeled the skin. Oh, I don't want to get too, okay. But, you know, was feeding a little baby. Snake out of my yard. I'm like, you're welcome, right? I provided that snake for you. So (laughs) it was the coolest thing. And I'm sitting there like, I'm about to be preaching on this. Thank you. Another good sermon illustration, compliment of Florida wildlife. It's amazing, right? It's amazing. You don't get these illustrations in Minnesota. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, Wow. And, and then you look at Jesus. Okay, check this. 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, said, look at the birds. <laughs> and some of you are like, okay, yeah, it's okay. Man, it's crazy how all the birds live, provide all this. But um, like I said, things aren't going so well for me. Well, here's why Jesus mentions the birds. He's not being callous or uncaring. He's He's not diminishing your pain, your burden, your frustration, your hurt. Here's what he's doing. He's 
He's using a rhetorical technique where he's arguing from the lesser to the greater, okay? He's arguing from the lesser to the greater. So here's, here's Jesus' point, of course. The birds have survived for thousands of years eating snakes and whatever else. <laughs> what all they eat. If, if God provides for them, and by the way, he does. You may not think he does, but he set up a system here. He's in control. If he's provided for them, these creatures who do not reflect his glory in the same way that you do, these creatures for whom his son did not give his life, if, if he provides for them, how much more do you think he's gonna provide for you? Amen. He's not diminishing your problem. He's elevating your position. He's saying, if I'm providing for them, how much more will I provide for you? And so Jesus's point is simple. We need to learn something from the birds and stop trying to live tomorrow today. Just live today. Trust God today. Work and worship today to not concern inappropriately, care inappropriately today as if tomorrow rests on us in an ultimate sense. It doesn't. The Lord has it. The Lord is in control. And, and so here, here's, here's, here's the thing. What you and I worry about then, here, here's what it reveals. It reveals what we're most devoted to. If you just look in your life right now and think, okay, where am I caring inappropriately? Where am I showing concern inappropriate? Do I have an area in my life where I would say I'm governed by this care or concern inappropriately? Not that it's inappropriate to care, but that I'm governed by it in an inappropriate way. I'm worrying is the English word. I'm worrying. Here's, here's the problem. It's, it's, not, it's not ultimately a caring problem. It's a devotion problem. You're too devoted to that thing or that person. You're, 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 too, you're too contingent upon it as if it depends upon you. That you're trying to serve two masters and the solution to worry is to divert your devotion. And that's why Jesus says this, check this out. Verse 33, here's the solution. He gives us the negative, don't. Here's the positive. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be provided for you. Listen to me, our worry problem, when we listen to all these voices, is ultimately a worship problem. We're trying to work without worship. And the key to worry, the solution to worry is to divert your devotion. The apostle Paul said the same thing in, in Philippians four. Look at this, he says, do not worry about anything. <laughs> Again, if you, he, do not be concerned inappropriately about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus, right? Like, like, like the solution is to turn your heart to God and to understand that God loves you. God gave his son for you. God owns everything in control of all things. And therefore, whatever you need, he already knows you need it and he's gonna provide it. 
The solution to worry is to divert your devotion, to seek first the kingdom of God. It's not to be uncaring, it's to care, but to care appropriately, to care under the, the, the loving, sovereign provision of your father to love your children, to care for your children, to plan for your future, to work hard, to serve others. To, listen, be a caring, engaged, involved person, follower of Jesus, but do it under the umbrella of a father who loves you and is gonna provide for you and who ultimately gives all good things to you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and and you'll find more joy and peace than you can imagine. You know what I've learned over the years? There's always something to worry about. Just keeping it real, you know, as we wrap up this series, there's always something to worry about. My wife and I got married and um, we moved to Louisville, Kentucky to go to seminary. She taught a little Christian school and made $17,000 a year and I worked little odd jobs to make ends meet. And we were the happiest people on planet earth for two years. I'll never forget. I was in our little apartment one day, I think after class and I was walking up the stairs and she said, I'm pregnant. And immediately I'm like, well, I'm broke. So, you know, this ain't exactly a good time. <laughs> I mean, for real, like I had both like this overwhelming excitement and this overwhelming worry. Like there ain't no way we can make this happen. There is no possible way we can make this happen. And uh, about six months later, the Lord called us to pastor our first little church. And you know what that little church had? They didn't have much, but they had a parsonage. <laughs> and they couldn't pay us very much and we didn't care. And I was still going to school and I was still working odd jobs to make ends meet. But you know what we had? A place to put our daughter to sleep at night. And I think now about, you know, my kids being teenagers and we're kind of in the launch phase here the next few years. And man, I worried a lot less when they were little. And I worry about where, where are they gonna go and where are they gonna live and who are they gonna marry and what friends are they gonna allow in their lives and a whole host of other things. And I worry about, you know, how am I gonna pay for their weddings for my girls? And I think, well, pff, I'll probably just not even worry about that. Just, Hopefully they don't get married. No, I'm good, right? And like, man, you know, like, I don't know. And, can, I, can I just tell you what's helped me through the years? I'm still learning, but we've been through a lot of ups and downs, a lot of good times and bad. Made some good decisions by God's grace and made some bad decisions. Can I just tell you what I've learned? Just specifically about my kids, I'll just, have, I'll just tell you this. The one thing that's helped me to sleep well at night is the reminder, and I tell you this as a father, not as a pastor. This isn't, this isn't seminary talk. Can I just be real with you? You know what's helped me? The word of God's helped me with how Jesus has helped me. 
real life right here. The absolute certainty that as much as I love my children and as deeply as I'm concerned for my children, there is one person who loves and cares for them more deeply than I. Like, I don't know who they're gonna marry and I, I don't know where they're gonna end up and you know, they're gonna have to make their mistakes and they will. And, but there is a God who loves them far more than I do. And they're ultimately not mine, they're his. Think, man, what's this next season of ministry look like at Bell Shoals? I don't know. I mean, would have any of us three years ago predicted the last two years? I know this, Jesus said, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Don't worry. You don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't know if I'll have enough to retire in a couple of years. Based on this week, I will not. And so I'm announcing today my intention to retire from Bell Shoals at the age of 95. <laughs> it's going to be a wild ride. Hang on. <laughs> going to have a nice chair up here one day where I'll be sitting and preaching. I don't know. I know this, there's one person more concerned about my future than I. It's actually the one who's already secured my future. His name is Jesus. So here's what Jesus says. Don't be like a person who doesn't care. Don't be a person who isn't concerned. Just don't try to serve two masters. Care and concern yourself first and foremost with the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added unto you. Can, can I just, man, I love this, okay? Oh, this is so good. Let me show you what Peter said. Here, here's what we do. Cast all of our cares on him because he cares about you. Isn't that good? Don't be uncaring. Just care appropriately. Don't worry. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And so here, here's the last thing I wanna say. Jesus cares for you more than you care for your cares. He loves you, he loves your kids. He secured your future, he's got it. And so, and so today, as we wrap up this series, I just wanna encourage you to try to Suppress that voice of worry, the devil trying to discourage you, overwhelm you, hinder you, cripple you, and, and literally turn your heart, your affection to Jesus and his loving kindness to you. Care first and foremost for him. Trust first and foremost in him. Work first and foremost for him. <laughs> he will never leave you, forsake you. Cast all your cares upon him. He cares for you and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness.